Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bienvenidos and welcome to Mija on the Mic, a podcast that is celebrating the experiences of daughters of immigrants from around the world. I am so excited for our guest today that we are actually doing in real life. <laughs> this is a real studio that we're in. Crazy. Today, I'm so excited to invite podcast host and marketing expert, Sipora Sidibe. Yes. So tell us about your culture. This is the first question we ask all Miha guests. Well, my culture is kind of plural. So I'm a French lady born and raised and my parents are from Senegal. To be honest, I've been in Senegal only once in my life. Uh, and I was 16, so I only discovered my parents' culture at 16 years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. So yeah, I would say that being like a French woman with like African culture, it's kind of complicated, to be honest. I think we will talk about it, but yeah, it's not an easy thing. And I kind of feel the same way of living as like Latinos because... Mm -hmm. Like the immigration story is so here, it's so present in my parents' life that I cannot erase it. So even if I want to be like, I'm a Parisian, it's not possible. <laughs> Why? Why is it that you can't feel that kind of ownership about that Frenchness? Because in France, and this is maybe political, but your color, your skin, your culture is always something that we will remind you. So even if you come and you say, I'm French... People will ask you, yes, but really, where are you from? Like, mm. your parents, are they from France? And I'm like, yes, they have the like the ID card. So yes, they are French. So even if you want to say I'm French, people will ask you, no, but you are not really French, you know. I always wonder about that because some people take that question and they're like, sure, I'll explain where I'm from. And other people kind of take it as almost an offense. Like, what do you mean I'm from somewhere else? And so it feels like you're kind of seeing it between the two things, right? Because you do identify Senegalese yes. without having been there. Yes. So having that experience, what was it like at home for mm. you? So like the Senegalese culture, even if you didn't have it and you couldn't go back to the country necessarily, how did you kind of experience it at home? Well, first the language. Uh, this is something funny because I have in France, we have what we call the carnet santé. It's like mm -hmm. the health, like notebook, like you have since you're like a baby. And uh, you have like the evolution of like the baby, like from zero to one year, for example, or even after. And in one of the page, there is one like uh, medical, let's say, checkup that I had. And the doctor was saying that I didn't speak French. I only spoke my like my mother's language so which is like uh, Suninke it's like one of a language from Senegal mm. and I'm always so surprised because I don't speak it mm. so I think language was the first thing that was from Senegal that I hear every day in my life uh, since I'm a baby food 
it's mm-hmm. also a very important part. Uh, we have a lot of dishes and uh, like every weekend we had like all the dishes from Senegal. And during the week, my mom, she didn't have time to cook because it's like big meals and stuff. Mm. So it was French during the week and it was Senegalese during the weekend. Um, And also family. So I had a lot of like uh, uncles, aunties, cousins. And this is what like I had people I I could look and they were like me. Mm. (laughs) So this is also one thing that was part of my childhood and make me feel Senegalese and uh, music. Also, music was really important. Uh, We had all those VHS uh, with like video clips from Mm. like back home, like my parents back home. And so during like Friday nights, uh, we would like just play it and uh, we will be dancing. Well, the kids, not the parents. (laughs) (laughs) So we will be dancing and we will be like, um, because we didn't have Spotify or the radio. Right. So it was the only link with like the new music from there, for example. So yeah, I would say that all these different elements were part of my culture. And I also had the calls from my grandma or my aunties uh, who were still there in Senegal. So each time I was like taking the phone, they were speaking the language. I could understand. I couldn't answer. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, uh, mommy, <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> that, I think that resonates so much with Miha and the experience of kind of being between the two. So I'm curious about, you know, how that community kind of shaped who you are and how also the saying that you're Franco-Senegalese, mm. can you say that even? Do you, I mean, because I know um, the, the hyphenated identity is very American. We yeah. know this. How do you kind of navigate that here in France where it's not necessarily accepted to say mm. that you're two things? I mean, this is from what I've, my own experience mm-hmm. in seeing yeah. people talking about, oh no, you're French first. Yes. Kind of thing. So how how did you get to even understand that? I imagine as a child, you don't see it at all. Yeah, And then exactly. when you get older, you're like, oh wait. Yes. And I think that even my parents, they wanted us to be French first, mm. to be like integrated. Uh, that's why I don't speak my mm. parents' language because... My dad really wanted us to speak perfect French, to be good at school. So he was saying like other people's kids that were talking the language, they were not good at school. So we don't have, we didn't have to be the same. Harsh assimilation. Exactly. So I think the first step in my head, I was like French. Mm. And then when I grew up, when I went to Senegal, when I saw people like me, I was like, yeah, but I'm not only French. Mm. Uh, So I have actually somewhere that uh, is filled with people like me. So Mm. I started thinking, okay, so I'm not only French, I'm also Senegalese. So I was 16 when I decided that I was both. And then I went for Erasmus in Scotland. Okay. And I was always like saying to people, I'm French. And people were just like, okay. They they never (laughs) ask the question. (laughs) They don't have the passport proof or anything. They're like, okay, I get it. Yeah, it was more like, okay, so I'm French. So I came back to be only French. Mm. My French identity was back. Okay. And then I came back. (laughs) And then people just again put me the Senegalese like etiquette. Mm. And now I feel that I am both because 
we have like French character. I can't lie. I mean, I have like French things. I When people see me doing things, thinking mm. I am a French person, so I cannot deny it. But since I'm an adult, I'm like trying to be more and more like in contact with my Senegalese Heritage, roots. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my gosh, that resonates so much when you go abroad yeah. with your uh, immigrant passport yeah. that you got your pr passport privilege that your parents gave you and then I had the same thing because I always had the thing of being Latina and being from the states is a whole nother experience but like the same thing of coming to France and yeah. people being like you're American and no one is questioning that no one is thinking like your English isn't good or that you know you're not fully American no you're American yeah in every sense of it and so even I had the same questioning around I'm both though <laughs> You guys are saying I'm only American, but I'm also Colombian. <laughs> um, and in France, there was like this kind of push and pull with those two things. So I wonder, I want to know about like immigrant expectations in France. I think a lot of the time when we talk about the immigrant experience, it's like you move to another country to have better opportunities to start a family and do something different from, you know, where your country of origin is. Sometimes it's a lot of it is monetary economic power and all these things. And so there's expectations around the daughter, the eldest daughter, the daughter of the immigrant family to do well, to succeed and, and not necessarily follow a fun, creative path. <laughs> And being both of us on fun creative paths <laughs> as creators and, and, and entrepreneurs, I would love to know, like, how does that like translate in France? Like, how did you experience this expectation yeah. here in French culture? Well, it was hard because I had the pressure from my Senegalese parent. Like you said, I had this social pressure, like mm -hmm. you have to be good. Uh, we have like done this sacrifice. So you have to be good at school and do a very good job mm -hmm. and even provide for us. Like when we will be old, so yeah. you have this pressure. You like, have to take care of me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you're like, okay, so I cannot be an entrepreneur. I cannot be a creative person. So I will just go for good job, like for a big company. And this is what I did at the beginning. So I started doing like they asked me to do. And then 30s is coming and you're like, no, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> There's so many people who have that crisis of, I don't want to be a doctor or a lawyer, mom, yeah. please accept. <laughs> I want to be an actor. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, okay. But to be honest, I didn't tell them that I quit my job and that I started like my freelancing journey. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of lying or just like not lying, but not saying anything about the job. live mission. Exactly. And the, on the Sunday call, you didn't say, yeah. you just said, I'm working hard. Yeah. You didn't say what I'm working on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was doing this for a moment. And then one day I just decided to tell the truth, but I waited to see that everything was fine, that I was actually having business and that, you, yes. you know that you could say don't worry about me yes because you worry about that exactly right? there's this like concern of, yeah. of the intergenerational concern exactly like, mommy i'm fine yes yeah. so you have to be the one saying mm -hmm. it's okay it's okay yeah <laughs> no it terrified my parents when i came here um and that i wasn't trying to become like i don't know wasn't working for a big corporation or like wasn't hired by like a big company yeah. to do what i do and that i decided to start my own thing it was like nobody else in my family started a company. So it was like, what, what, are, you, what are you trying to do? Yeah. Who's going to support you? What are you? 
what and are you doing yeah because i almost feel like it's a safety net that they think that they've created which you know in some senses yes because they give us the pass- passport yeah. privilege right now you are french yeah. i am american we have powerful passports we can do things you can yeah. go to scotland yeah. be like i'm french <laughs> and no one is going to say anything about that <laughs> and that's amazing and so that's so cool that you get to kind of breaking cycles mm. right is that is that that is the words that you chose to yeah. use I want to hear about how you feel about this kind of breaking a cycle of expectations of what you're supposed to do yeah. as a daughter of immigrants. Yeah, this is the key word, I think. So I'm a, the eldest of my family. We are five. And so I had a lot of pressure. I was like the third parent. I was like having a lot of responsibilities. Um, and I was kind of a little mom. So I was doing everything like administrative stuff and so on. And then at 28, I decided to move and come here in Paris. Mm. And first, the geographical like distance really helped because yeah. I was not like close to them. I couldn't just drive and see what is happening there and so on. And yeah, it was kind of, okay, I can live without them. <laughs> I can I can do whatever I want. I can I be want. a grown-up. <laughs> so this was the first step when I was like, okay, so you can be like someone else, mm. which is not like... The family girl, the elders, the perfect girl who is doing everything that her parents are saying and so on. So this was a very good step for me. And then I broke the cycle when I decided that I didn't want to have kids. Mm. So I was like, I've been this all my life since Mm. I'm like a little girl. So I'm exhausted. So no, no, I don't want to be another mom for another baby or another child. So this was the second step. And today, I think that I'm breaking the cycle by beginning to be the daughter, Mm. you know, like learning to be a daughter, learning to be a sister, because when you are like a third parent, you are not a sister for like your siblings. Yeah, you're asking them to do things right. You're, you know, maybe imposing responsibility. And that's a completely different experience. You don't get to be friends with your siblings when you're in that space. So I'm learning everything now. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because sometimes I just want to be, no, don't do this. Or no, I recommend you do this. And I'm like, stop. (laughs) Yeah. You have to kind of keep it in, like let them experience their their life and just laugh at their mistakes. Exactly. Like you should as a sibling. (laughs) Instead of saying, no, you don't have to do that. Exactly. That's so interesting that you're kind of relearning your own definition, not only culturally, but also like in the family. Yeah. Because family is so important to our cultures, right? And you mentioned something about how like your family is that kind of community. How did that community react when you decided to do this? Have you fully come out to them as, I don't want to be a mom? Yeah, I fully. Wow. Yeah. That's huge because for, I don't know if you have the same thing, but like in Latin culture and just, just even in my own family, like... As, as successful as you will be, as amazing as the work that you're doing, your greatest accomplishment will be having a child. Yes. So how, how did they take it? Well, my dad was fine. He's a man. So I was like, okay, I don't need even your like advice, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> so it was like, you do whatever you want with your body and okay. your life. But my mom, She's still hoping that I will change my mind uh, because I didn't say it, but in Senegal, we are like, we have a Muslim culture. 
and in the Muslim culture, you always like uh, do bendish, like a benediction. Yeah. Uh, to your daughter when she do something well for you, like when she give you money or pay you something, you you just say like, I wish you will have a kid like you. Blessings. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, no, no, I don't want kids. <laughs> don't say that. But she's always saying it, you know. So mm. I think that she's still hoping that I will change my mind. She's not pushing. She's not like each time I have her on the phone, she's not like, you have to be a mom and so on. But I can feel that there's she an hopes. expectation yeah. still. Exactly. I think that's really hard to deal with. Just even societal on the societal level, there's always going to be that questioning around when are you going to do it? You're in your thirties. You're that's, this is the time, yeah. you know, you know, if you think you don't, you don't want it, you'll decide differently in a couple of years, you exactly. know, no. freeze your eggs, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, um, it's so wild to think about it also culturally, right? Because you have this, I expect you to do yeah. this, continue the family line. But I guess like, I wonder how it is for your siblings as well. Like, mm. do you have the same kind of questioning around them? I mean, as the eldest, mm. do they also kind of see your decision and, and react in a specific way or? Well, I know that my sister, they don't have any, they, they haven't said to me like, I don't want kids or I, I want kids. So they are still, I think, thinking about it. My little brothers, on the other hand, they are like, I want to be a dad. So they are like, I want it. Yeah. It's like clear. So yeah, I think, and my mom, she was scared of that, that I will be like influencing oh, yeah. the others. And I'm like, no, I mean, at the end, those guys are going to be dads. So it's okay. Yeah, I didn't like... <laughs> That's so cool, though, that you have such a good relationship with your with your siblings as well. Now that you're, like you said, becoming uh, almost like a better sister. Well, it's a work in progress, mm. to be honest. Uh, I think it's more fluid with my brothers, but with my sisters, it's a bit more complicated. Mm. Um, as if, even in age, so I'm closer with like the daughters and the like the baby brothers are are like the last ones. Yeah. So I have a different relationship. And it's like if they haven't really known me, so I can reinvent myself more easily. So, yeah, it's easy to do this transition with them. Mm. But with the girls, it's a more, it's a bit more complicated. Um, so work in progress. I think it will be like very hard. Struggle. And yeah, yeah, mm. Mm. yeah. With my own siblings, it's always it's because I have several. Um, it's the same kind of questioning around like expectations and yeah. like how are each of us going to yeah. live our dreams kind of thing. Exactly. So speaking of dreams, I would love to know your, I guess maybe going around back to expectations and like the questions of the dreams that our parents have mm -hmm. and the dreams that we have for ourselves. Like yeah. what is the French dream versus the American <laughs> dream? Like what is, the, what is the expectation? I think that the French dream is to have a, decent job and then buy a house and i think it's a kind of pretty simple life you know that's so interesting because i always think about what that dream is now because mm. so many people can no longer buy homes so many people can you know look at work differently now yeah. so like what becomes of that dream what is it now i think it's very changing and it's kind of maybe becoming like in the u.s mm. where you're like um not being defined by your job 
uh, young people, I mean, I'm talking with my brother and it's like, I know that I will not do this job in my entire life. Mm. He already know that maybe in his 30s, he will be changing and maybe have another job. Yeah, more adapted exactly. to that. Yeah. It's already a shock that for our parents that we change jobs every three, four years. So imagine with this new generation, it will be like... Tomorrow I'm going to be yeah. a K-pop dancer. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say that that's a bad thing, guys. It's not. It's just that I think that that generation has done, you know, they're more open to these creative yeah, careers. Exactly. And being like, yeah, maybe it'll work or maybe not. They have security that we didn't have. That's the point. As yeah. Well. I think as daughters of immigrants, we're always asking ourselves, like, is this safe for me to do? Yeah. Do I dare, you know, try to do this without a safety net? Exactly. Because we've seen our parents suffer or yeah. we've seen, you know, how much they struggled to make it so that we are safe. Mm. So when you take that away and you're like, I want to have my dream, it's so hard to it accept. It is. It is. Oh, my gosh. And how do you deal with that? You personally, like, how have you emotionally kind of accepted that change in your dream? It was hard because you have the practical thinking and like, I'm not like from a very easy family, like rich family. Mm. Uh, so because most of people here that are entrepreneurs, To be honest, they have like the parents behind. They're bien bien, is it? Bien bien, is it? Whereas we're more, because we're daughters of immigrants, it's more like no one is sponsoring this. I'm the only one doing this. I can only support myself. Yeah. So you cannot be like wrong. You have to be the good thing because if you don't, you have to go back to work like a normal job. Yeah. And so much pressure. Yeah. So much pressure. Exactly. Exactly. I think that I'm still in this you know, kind of, I'm okay, but there is the the cliff, you know, <laughs> at any time I can just work and then it's the end and you have to go back to work. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really like at peace, like saying, okay, I'm fine. I have found mm-hmm. like perfect path. I know that if I do this and this, it will be perfect. Yeah. I'm still like with this um, adjustment, like, mm. so yeah, it's not very easy every yeah. day. I wish I would have like this uh, safety nest, as you said, mm. with my family and so on. But it's not the case, but it's kind of the magic of mm. like daughters of immigrants. It's like you have to find new solutions to reinvent yourself. And innovate. Exactly. Like, find a community yeah. and do it your own way because exactly. no one's going to help you make it happen. Yeah, that's yeah. the point. And I think this is the difference between maybe, maybe I'm like, doing an extrapolation but when you're not having all this um background pressure you don't have time to just look at the day to day yeah you have to think ahead because you don't know what is going mm-hmm. to happen and i think that the day that i will be like okay i'm fine i'm just enjoying the day this will be the sign that i'm fully french <laughs> <laughs> It's like a battery charging. I'm I'm 100% French now. <laughs> I'm curious about what you feel about the word generational trauma because it feels like it's so trendy to talk about yeah, that like that's true. in that way. Um the struggle of our immigrant parents, how we are kind of living past it, growing from it, being inspired by yeah. it. But we call it a trauma. And it feels I don't know, I don't like that it's a negative thing. Yeah, me too. Because it is a beautiful thing they worked so hard and you know some people don't have as good relationships with their families Mm -hmm. but if you do then that struggle is actually something that makes you unique yes 
and stronger exactly. and more powerful. Yeah. And owning that is yeah. what makes it powerful. So I don't know. I don't like the word calling it trauma. G generational inspiration. Generational. <laughs> I don't know. What, what, what word could work? Maybe there's a French word. That's true. It's very like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, but you know, I think it's like maybe a process because we are this generation who like put this word, you know, mm, we decided yes. that this is a generational trauma. It was not something trendy, like exactly back like in the nineties yeah. and like when our families were coming to these yeah. countries, they were not calling it that. Exactly. So all. maybe we yeah. are the generational trauma generation. <laughs> And that the the like the next generation is going to find another world because they will be actually without trauma because mm. we will be the one healing everything, you know? Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe it will be generational healer or something or like generational this. Generational power. Yeah. Or something like that. I love that you mentioned that because we had this conversation before. We hang out, by the way. Yes. Um <laughs> we we talked about um how the new generations, like, you know, our younger siblings or even those who are, you know, born later on. In the country they feel more french they yeah. feel more american they feel so much of a little yeah. bit of a separation between the original exactly. culture and they don't have this questioning at all they're like i'm multicultural whatever yeah hashtag whatevs <laughs> and i'm like it would be so cool to just not have these questions life <laughs> like, will be easier life will be easier miha podcast will be irrelevant <laughs> in like 20 years time it really will be because like these new kids they're not asking these questions anymore they're like yeah i am and what who are you to tell me I'm not French? <laughs> Je viens d'où? I'm from here. That's so true. And I wish I wish that for this new generation because yeah. it's not very healthy to be in this kind of limbo. Let's bring all of these questions and how are you doing it with your podcast? Yeah. So, uh, Tant que je serai noir or As Long As I Am Black is a podcast that I created three years ago because as I said, this is where I decided to not be a mother. Like... Mm really coming out and saying it out loud. And um, yeah, I just wanted to create a space where like black women could just talk about this topic. Mm -hmm. I realized that as a black woman, you cannot really have this leisure to, mm -hmm. to choose. Like in like people head, black women are like mothers. There mm -hmm. is no question. So I was like, but why? Why do we have to follow this lead? I mean, I don't want this. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to create the debate about it. And a lot of women really related to it saying, yeah, that's so true. Like mom saying to me, I've never thought about it. Like I, beca I became a mother, but I never asked myself why, why, and if I really wanted to do it or if it's the society which like pushes me to do this. Mm. So I was like, oh my God, we have to do something about this. So I started to like interview like women and ask them like, why they decided to be a mother and if not how the culture is like pushing them to do it yeah and at the beginning it was only like women experiences mm -hmm. and then i realized that like for a black woman in the history mm. we didn't really have the choice our body was like yeah a public property mm. you know slavery colonization And even today, like, I don't know if you see, like, the situation in uh, Mayotte. It's like an island, a French island, uh, where there is a lot of black people. And they decided to, con like, control birth because they think that there is a lot of babies. So they are, like, going to ask women to, like, uh, do forced sterilization. 
And I'm like, the history is just repeating itself. Yeah. Like we don't have agency. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm so shocked. I mean, and this is why I decided to talk about this topic. And today it is more shifting into justice, reproductive justice. Okay. So who has the right to choose to be a mother mm. or no, in which conditions? And this is something that is from the US, but I think that we need it in France as well. Yeah. Because we have the same discussion. Like, exactly. Yeah. So this is how Tant que je serai noir is born. We have a lovely community, Instagram. Uh, I've met a lot of women, incredible women. Uh, and even if I'm not a mother, sometimes I can listen to a mother story and I'm like, oh, I can relate. I mean, mm. we have this experience that is similar. And at the end, I just wanted to like say to people that we are human. Like, mm. even if I'm not a mother, even if I'm black at the end, I'm just a woman. And we have all our struggles, but at the end, we are just women, you know. Mm. So that's why I created it. And I hope that, as you said, next generation, we not have to think about those questions mm. and that it will be natural to say, oh, no, I just want, don't want kids. That's it. Yeah. No questioning, you know. That's so in inspiring. What is something that you learned that you were surprised by when you're doing these interviews and talking to these women? Well, first I learned that Kids are cool <laughs> because at the beginning I was like, oh my God, kids, blah, blah, blah. How do you do that? <laughs> so I realized that it can be a very like joyful for some women and I can understand it. I also re like realized because in my website, it says, uh, tant que je serai noir, serai je mère? Like as long as I'm black, will I, will I be a mother? Mm. And this question is actually for me because mm. as I said, I was like a little mommy. Right, because you're the mother in your community yeah, in a way, because exactly. you take that role on. Yes. No matter, like, as soon as you're of age to yeah. become a mother, in, yes. in, entre guillemets, then you have that questioning. Exactly. That's so interesting. It's so community based, yeah, right? Exactly. So I was like, oh my God, this is like my therapy. Mm. So it's actually really helped even me in my journey to like discover what I really want, what I don't want. Um, and yeah, it's like a lot of questioning being the eldest. So yeah, it was really helpful even for my personal, let's say. Like questioning yes, journey. Exactly. That's fascinating. I love that because it also brings it back to Miha where in Latin culture, you're everyone's daughter. Yeah. And so your success is everyone else's success. Yeah. And everyone is Miha, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's so interesting that in your culture, it's like, no, I'm mother. Yeah. <laughs> I have daughters. I am the one saying Mija. You know, that I think that's solidarity as well. Yes. Like you're, you're supporting other women within exactly. the community. Yeah. And that's more valuable. Yeah. And you're in from your space. If you're not a mother, mother, you can yeah. be a mother in so many ways. Exactly. To other people. And what I learned also is that because you were talking about this double identity, being French, Senegalese. And at one time I wanted to just like cut with the family saying, okay, no more of this shit. Mm. I'm going to be like the other French people and just say, I don't want to be a family person anymore. Oh, So I tried this, but it's not possible. You can't do it. I can't. You can't just shut down. I can't. Because it's community-based cultures. Yeah. You can't just be a solo dolo. Exactly. <laughs> and this was another slap like, no, 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 you're not only French. You also have this. And... I tried. I'm all, I'm always take, saying to my friends, I've tried, but they are not leaving me. <laughs> and <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. And that's a good exactly. thing. Exactly. 
Okay, so let's come to the end. Um, I would like for you to share uh, an anecdote about your childhood growing up in Senegalese Paris. Yes. <laughs> Do you have a, a cherished memory about your childhood here? Yeah. So it's a very like interesting memory. I was like maybe six or seven. And so I, I'm from Haute-Savoie. So it's like um, in the mountain and stuff. So during summertime, my dad would take us and we would go like for a barbecue or a, like just swimming and like playing with my sisters and my cousin. But we only had one car. So my dad had a very like huge car with um, a very big trunk. So uh, some of us will be like in the trunk. <laughs> to go there and I remember once we would be stopped by a policeman and they're so shocked but like in a good way they're like laughing and saying oh my god what is happening in this car and they just let us go we could do like the rest of the the travel and be at like playing at the lake and so on but I was like oh my god this is something that today would not be a we would not be able to do that but I, I could feel like my dad really wanted us to like have this kind of joy being like normal kids and go back to school and say that during summer we did this this and this but he did it with the like what he had mm -hmm. so yeah this is something I can never forget and it's a way to remind me that don't forget where you're coming from. <laughs> Even if you become easy, you don't have to forget that once you had to share a car with all your siblings mm. in the trunk. <laughs> oh my gosh, girl, I can relate. I've been there too. We did have the same thing. Literally going to a lake. <laughs> She's mija, pero, pero French. All right, we're going to wrap this up now. Um, I want to ask you some speed round questions. We ask all of our mijas speed round questions. Okay. So ask du tech tech, okay? Okay. All right. So what language do you swear in when you accidentally touch a hot plate? French. What's your favorite food? Yassa. What is that? It's like uh, chicken with the onions, a salsa with rice. Very yummy. Song that you've had in your head this week? Oh my God, Jaja, Aya Nakamura. <laughs> What's your last Google search that you feel comfortable sharing? I think it's like uh, around like this generational trauma thing. Mm. Yeah, I'm really into it those days. Yeah. What is your most embarrassing dream that you had? I think the most embarrassing one is to be rich, like to be this French woman who could just do whatever she wants <laughs> without like being suffering and thinking twice. Yeah, I think I just wanted this légèreté, you know. You wanted to be Oprah Winfrey. Yes, exactly. Or Emily in Paris, you know, like la la la, everything is perfect. I can do whatever. <laughs> okay, and what is your biggest dream right now? What is something that you're aspiring to? To be my own business woman, like not having any barriers, just like, yeah, I think this French dream of you can do it because you work hard at, at school. And uh, yeah, I think it's just that being able to have my, not CDI, but very comfortable way Your of safety life. net. Yes, exactly. But by myself, mm. not like working for someone else, you know. Mm. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been so much fun. Yes. I've had so much fun. We could keep going for hours. <laughs> um, so tell us where we can find you. 
Yeah, so in Instagram, tant que je serai noir, in uh, the website of uh, the podcast, so tweet, how do you say that? www.tantquejeserainoir.com yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And in any like listening platforms, if you want to listen to the podcast, it's in French, I'm sorry. But yeah, this is where you can find me. Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Laurie. Yay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is Miha on the Mic, a season of reflection on our shared experiences as daughters of immigrants. Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be sharing stories like these and inviting guests to share theirs. Follow us on Instagram at Miha Podcast, that's M-I-J-A Podcast, and leave us a note if you like this story. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. This is a production of Studio Ochenta, a Latina-owned multilingual podcast studio dedicated to raising voices across cultures. For more from Studio Ochenta, follow us at Ochenta Podcasts on Instagram. That's O-C-H-E-N-T-A podcast with an S on Instagram. P.S. Don't forget this season is also about you. If you have a story you'd like to share, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, I invite you to reach out on Instagram at Miha Podcast and leave us a message with a short story or memory of yours that warms your heart. We'll read it out loud on the show. Hasta pronto. Ciao.